Psalm 30. Psalm 30. Titled, The Blessedness of Answered Prayer. A heading says that it is a psalm, a song at the dedication of the house of David. Let me just read to you from the Bible knowledge commentary that uh, brings a little background for us for this psalm. It says, the superscription says this is a psalm for the dedication of the temple written by David. This title may refer to David's dedication of the site of the temple in 1 Chronicles 21 and 22. After the numbering of the people, the Hebrew word temple is literally house and could refer to the tabernacle or the tent where David would place the ark. A problem with this view is that the psalm mentions God's discipline of David in chapter 30 verse 7 of Psalms here perhaps by some physical illness, for his pride, verse 6. It may be that the illness was figurative, not literal, and referred to David's inner remorse for having through pride caused a plague which killed 70,000 Israelites. Other titles take it to be, or others take the title to be a liturgical designation for its use in dedicating buildings constructed Later, So uh, recently in our Eat This Book uh, Bible plan, uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, and I'm behind, so it happens to be right where I'm at, uh, <laughs> uh, we've been reading about uh, this, this plague that came upon uh, all of Israel because of the heart of David in the census. And it's really kind of a confusing thing. You read about it in First Chronicles, you read about it in Second Samuel, the final Chapters of Second Samuel, you know, the Lord says, hey, I want you to go ahead and go take a census. And so David goes and does it, and God gets angry and plagues everybody. And you just, you know, people are often, what's up with that, Lord? Like, you told him to go do it, he did it, and then he gets in trouble for it. Well, the thing is, is that when you read the story, the things that are numbered in this census are the mighty men of valor and how big this army is. And really the protection that David has and the men that he's got and the might and the force. And scripture shows us basically that David's pride uh, caused what was just, you know, a census and figuring out the numbers and everything uh, t- turned into be a sinful thing. And so uh, as the Lord's dealing with David, he brings a prophet to David and says, you know, uh, you know, how do you want to be punished? Do you want uh, famine or do you want, um, the uh, the neighboring armies to come down and, and you'll be in their hands for how, how long was it? Like three years or something like that? Uh, and, or, you know, do you want the Lord to deal with you? And David says, man, other men, I, I can't handle having other men, you know, <laughs> pouring their wrath out on me. Lord, you're merciful. Uh, I want you to deal with me. So the Lord says, okay. And so this, the Lord brought this plague uh, you can read about it in Second uh, Samuel 24, I believe it is, uh, and you know, seventy thousand people are wiped out through the pride of David from the pride of David. Now, uh, it's just an incredible, you know, narrative as uh, David is there on, on uh, in the Bethlehem city of David area, and he's looking out over Jerusalem, 
and he sees the angel of the Lord with a sword smiting people with this plague. I mean, could you imagine what he's seeing there? And finally he cries out and he just says, Lord, this was my sin. This was my sin. Why are you pouring out your wrath on your on these people? Lord, no. Stop the plague, God. Stop the plague. And he pleads with the Lord to stop the plague. And God in his mercy stops the plague. Uh, and David goes up to, it's an incredible story. I texted it to my guys in discipleship uh, this week. Because David goes up to Mount Moriah and he goes to uh, Orna's threshing floor. And there uh, Orna's threshing uh, wheat. And David comes and says, hey, uh, I want to buy your oxen. I want to buy the implements to offer the Lord a sacrifice. And uh, Orana says, uh, you're the king, man. You can have the oxen. You can have the equipment. You know, man, this is, are you kidding me? Like, I'd be happy to give it to you. Do you guys know what David says there to uh, Orna? He says, no, I will buy it at price. For how can I offer to the Lord worship that costs me nothing? Just, man, that is just one of my theme verses in life. Considering, you know, concerning worshiping the Lord. Our worship is to be costly and sacrificial. How can I offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing? Our sacrificial service is a costly service to the Lord in response to his costly service to us. And so he bought the uh, implements and he bought the oxen and he offers these uh, things up as a sacrifice and the plague is stopped. And what's a beautiful thing is there, Orana's threshing floor is up on Mount Moriah. It's in the same place where Isaac carried uh, the wood on his back for uh, Abraham to sacrifice him. Uh, it's the same place that uh, the temple will be built after this experience. Uh, Mount Moriah, there on the it will be the Temple Mount. It's the same place where Jesus will die and provide Himself the Lamb and provide Himself as the sacrifice to stop the plague of sin that was killing all of Israel. It's just an incredible picture of the gospel. It's one of my favorite stories in the Chronicles of the Kings. And um, man, you got to read it in depth. I'm trying to paraphrase for the sake of time, but uh, one of my one of just the most beautiful pictures of the gospel. And here we have uh, what seems to be a psalm somehow connected with, you know, the Lord turning his face away from David, pouring out his wrath, um, and then uh, and then coming back and, and restoring relationship with David. So uh, all that being said, final little phrase that I appreciated from the Bible knowledge commentary it says, from his experience of deliverance, from God's ch- chastening for his sin, David praised the Lord because his anger is temporary, but his favor is permanent. And I hope even as we do one more song tonight and as we pray and pray for Thailand and pray for each other, just that we would just have hearts of praise. You know, sometimes it's hard to like wake us up and get us to, you know, we're doing songs of praise and praise and it's like, oh, I just say. You know, and just that, man, for me, I don't know, I'm just maybe a charismatic person or something, but man, I just, I take three seconds thinking about what God's done for me, and I'm just like, bah! you know, I just have to praise him, I just have to, you know, I gotta sing, I gotta grab my guitar, I gotta shout, clap my hands, lift my hands, um, uh, you know, because his anger is temporary, 
but his favor is permanent. It's everlasting. And he's given us his favor through Jesus. So verse 1 says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. This is similar to our psalm last week. See if I'm still there. Uh, Psalm 29. uh, And I loved last week. uh, Give unto the Lord. Give unto the Lord. So verse 1 of Psalm 29 said, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So just... Three times, give unto the Lord, give unto the Lord, give unto the Lord. It's very similar to holy, holy, holy. Perhaps this is praise to the Trinity. Holy, 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 give unto the Lord, give unto the Lord, give unto the Lord. And and, in our study last week, we saw we're to give to the Lord. Uh, Another translation is ascribe greatness to the Lord. Just declare his greatness. And so as we're in Psalm 30, verse 1, that's what we're talking about. I will extol you, Lord. I will give unto the Lord and ascribe to him greatness. Uh, Extol means I will exalt you, Lord. I will lift you up on high. And I kind of like this. I will lift you up. And then it says, for you have lifted me up. You know, as the Lord lifts us up, we lift up, up him in worship. And the higher the Lord is lifting us up in our life and sanctifying us and setting us apart, pulling us up out of that miry clay, the more we lift him up and worship him. Another phrase would be, for you have saved me. Anybody here feel that? You know, you've been saved, been born again. I've been saved. I will lift you up, Lord, because you've saved me and have not let my foes rejoice over me. You know, that's, that's just a, a song of my heart. I was talking at a meeting today with some people that they've just, they've got an enemy right now. They've got a foe. <laughs> they've got an enemy. And they're you know, just praying with them and counseling them like, man, hard stuff. Maybe, you know, maybe you've had enemies in your life. And I've, I've rarely had enemies until like this last year. I'm like, these people really, really dislike me. You know, that, that's... Man, that's that's hard. And you just, Lord, just, man, if I'm wrong, if we're wrong, just correct us and set us right, Lord. Just show us that. We want to repent of that. And, Lord, just if we're just to keep going and just keep pressing on, then, Lord, just don't let the, the slander and the bitterness and the hatred from our foes come to where they would have victory over us. It's just, it's just been a prayer. And God is, uh, God has been faithful in that. I remember when we were going to Nepal, and we were stuck in the, well, we weren't stuck at the airport. We weren't even in the airport at that point because it looked like we weren't even going to Nepal. We were there in Portland. We were at the embassy suites, and the Lord said, if you guys are going to get out of Portland and get to Nepal, you guys got to get the team together and pray. So we got the team together to pray. And just as we're praying, probably was just the enemy attack, you know, and the enemy just showing. See, you know, everyone who just really dislikes you right now, they're going to see that the Nepal trip got canceled and just see just a failure. God's hand is against you, you know? And I just was like, whoa, just so strong. And I just prayed out. I said, Lord, 
we'd been in the Psalms together at Wednesday night, and I remember pray, prayers like this that David would cry out, don't let my enemies triumph over me. Don't let them rejoice in our failure, Lord, for your name's sake. And this was the prayer that was happening right when we, maybe you remember this, you know, uh, the prayer that was happening when we were crying out for breakthrough in the ticket world with the airlines. I just said, Lord, for your name's sake, for, for your church, just let these tickets come through. And it was within 45 minutes that the tickets came through. You know, maybe you've been where David's been here, where he's just like, don't let my foes, don't let the, uh, the Philistines, you know, don't let all the Amalekites, don't let these people rejoice over me and my failure. And look at David, you know, this was at the end of his life. This was after the Absalom debacle, you know, this was end of his life. And imagine going out with a plague over your people, just everyone being wiped out. And the name of David would have gone, you know, David's called the lamp of Israel. And it would have been, it would have been extinguished. And David just prays out, man, don't let my foes have bragging rights over. And of course, with David's heart, it was over you, Lord, over you. Uh, Verse two, oh, Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. He's the God who Psalm 103 says, forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Maybe even David had a little bit of the plague going on when the angel was striking. And, you know, I got the mumps, I got the bumps, you know. And I cried out, Lord, just take me out. There is the angel has the sword and he's uh, putting the plague on people. And he cried out to the Lord. And Blaine, will you go there? Will you just go to that Psalm? I think it's 2 Samuel 24. And, uh, or I think it's First Chronicles 21. But just whenever you're ready, find it. And maybe just read that passage about David looking out over Jerusalem and just seeing the angel and, uh, and then crying out. Whenever you're ready, let me know. But it says, when he cried out, the Lord healed him. Verse 3, O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You've kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. You know, my dad, uh, we used to call him uh, old Lazarus, <laughs> you know, because my dad, like, there were so many times that he was going to die. In fact, by the time he did finally die when I was 19, like, I, w- when it came to, like, bad news and bad reports where, you know, I just was like, God's in control. Like, I'm not going to panic, you know, because we'd seen him at the grave so many times. And, I mean, we're talking, like, reoccurrence of reoccurrence of reoccurrence of reoccurrence of Hodgkin's disease after bone marrow transplants where literally bone marrow transplant at that time anyways sucked all your white blood cells out and they would call it dying to live and down at Stanford University my dad spent like a month in this sealed off I mean you cannot get sick when you don't have any white blood cells I'm not a scientist but I guess that's what I've been told and I was a fifth grader and we used to have to come in and uh, do the whole like scrub for like five minutes with the special brush under the nails all that masks um booties you know uh hair net all that kind of stuff and then you'd go in and for a month that was the only way i saw my dad or the only way he saw us was through uh the, the masks and things like that and uh you know dying to live <laughs> you know and uh you know so physically you know maybe you've been there you know i know paul you've been there and many others you know just like 
I should be dead right now. And the Lord's bought me, brought me back from the grave. What about spiritually? Every single one of us can say, yeah, that's, we were, none of us were alive. We were all spiritually dead. Like we were aliens. We were separated from God. We were spiritually dead. But God breathed life into us and has restored us and brought us up from the grave, keeping us alive, that we wouldn't go down into the pit. And um, I know many of your physical testimonies go that route. Many of your spiritual testimonies, man, like dead, dead, dead. Uh, but the Lord brought us up from the pit. Look at what Jesus says in John 11, 25 and 26. Dustin, or I'm sorry, Josh, will you read these two verses here? Just thinking of that verse today, just the life that's in Jesus and how Jesus represents resurrection life. And uh, even if we die, we're going to live. And even when we live and we believe in him, we're, we're never really going to die. <laughs> Uh, Jesus represents life. And here's the psalm that's been on my heart. I spoiled it a few times already. Psalm 40, 1 through 3. Dustin, will you read? There's three verses here. So, you know, this was a psalm that, um, that we used as our camp theme once when I was a high school pastor. And uh, just an incredible picture of redemption and how our salvation leads to um, more people getting saved and more people worshiping the Lord. And so just that miry clay, that quicksand being pulled up out, having our um, feet set upon stability and firm foundation. And Jesus is that rock. He's our cornerstone. He's, you know, we, we're not sinking anymore, um, but putting a new song in our mouth. Praise God. Praise God. And verse 12 of our psalm today is going to show us that's that's the whole purpose of David's being delivered from this whole plague thing. Uh, it, it's the same purposes here. And many will see it, fear, and will trust the Lord. And you guys, this tells us that testimonies are powerful. You guys, tell people your testimony. I know Jeremy's like, man, he's a firebrand on fire there at the Madras COCC, you know, just telling people testimonies and writing people. And you guys, use your testimonies. You have one. Uh, many will see and hear what God's done in your life, and they will worship the Lord and tremble before the Lord and trust in the Lord. Um, and so that, that was all spurring from that verse 3 of our psalm tonight. Oh, Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You've kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. So uh, those of you that are saints who are saved, I love John Corson's old phrase, you know, you're either a saint or you're an ain't, right? Like there's no like, oh, well, the Catholics, they've got their saints. Or, no, like biblically, those that have been born again, we're the saints. So praise God, huh? But notice if you're a saint, You've got a task of singing praise to the Lord and giving thanks to the Lord. And so times like tonight where it's like, just worked really hard, I'm tired, I've got a headache, i got all this stuff, it's still time to praise the Lord. And you know what? Sometimes remembering his holy name will spur you on 
into having something to sing about. We looked at that all last week in Psalm 29, how the just people seeing the praising the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Do you remember that phrase? Praise the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Remembering who he is, remembering his fame, remembering his renown, remembering that there's no one like him. When you remember that, all of a sudden, you know, you just start singing to the Lord. You start praising the Lord. Uh, and so it's good. Maybe whenever you're struggling on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or just times of praising, just spend time just remembering his holy name. Uh, notice here in verse 4, to whom the saints belong. We are saints of his. We belong to him. We are his saints. I think of that phrase, his saints and the saints. And, and I think of um, Jude and, and Jude's actually quoting somebody else, but I think Jude is using this as an eschatological reference, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Speaking of the second coming, where the, the army of heaven are riding with him on white horses, uh, coming in his great victory uh, battle. And so I believe that that'll be the saints there with him. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his Saints, that's going to be one of the most triumphant, exciting times in all of human history. Um, the, the second coming of the Messiah to set up his kingdom and rule and reign. And the saints will be there with him. Um, verse 5, uh, one thing that we'll praise the Lord for, one thing that we'll give thanks for remembering his holy name, is that his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy, or a shout of joy, comes in the morning. You know, the Lord's anger burns hot against sin. It's the truth of the word. We sin, and there is anger against that sin. There is wrath that builds up against that sin. And if you're apart from Jesus, if you're not in Jesus, that wrath will be poured out upon you um, for all eternity in hell. Uh, but the good news is, is that, uh, when you're born again, Jesus has taken all of that wrath and all of that anger upon himself at the cross. And now as we're adopted into the family of God, we're stumbling and bumbling along and there is anger against sin. There's correction against sin. Uh, but it's as a gentle father, uh, disciplining us and correcting us. And Hebrews 12 talks about that, that that anger is just for a moment, and it never seems pleasant, does it, to be disciplined by the Lord. Nevertheless, it always yields these wonderful fruits of righteousness. The anger, the discipline, it's for a moment, but the favor of the Lord is for life. Weeping may endure for the night. Joy comes in the morning. I like that. The shout of joy comes uh, in the morning. It says that his favor is for life. Just to backtrack real quick. Uh, Psalm 63, 3 and 4. Delina, do you want to read these two verses? So this favor that's for life, the loving kindness of God is better than life. Our lips will praise him, will bless him, will lift up his hands and worship him because of that. Uh, verse 6 and 7 together. Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. 
Lord, by your favor, you've made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was troubled. Uh, now, verse 6 isn't a, a key passage for a prosperity theology or a prosperity um, you know, type faith. Of course, we are prosperous in the Lord, but not in the way that so many of the televangelists of our day are marketing and peddling the gospel. That's a whole nother um, teaching for a whole nother time. Uh, but here David has come to a place where he's been removed away from the, the plague there, and there's now quietness and ease and security in his life and his relationship with the Lord. And he says, I'll never be moved in the Lord. By your favor, you made my mountain stand strong. Really interesting that we came to this verse this week because uh, this morning I just had a quick come up on my phone and um, didn't have a chance to look at it really. And uh, I was like, oh no, Um, this is someone that would probably have heard a message that was taught and is probably mad at me. And I bet they're just reaming me for it. I'm like, I don't know if I'm, I need to like spend some time with the Lord before I read this. And, and uh, as I looked, I was in my kitchen and I looked out my back window just as I'm like eating anxious bread, you know, and I look out my back window and there's Barnes Butte, right? Barnes Butte's in my backyard. It's just this beautiful mountain with all these strong rocks, outcroppings, you know, and I was reminded of about Four years ago, when uh, we were going through a really hard time here at the church, just some some stirring and and you know just some little uprising that was going on, and I just was like, "This is it. This is the end of the church here, and uh, it, it's over. It's done. Let's just pack up and and go back to Corvallis or something." And I was in my office, um, down in my office in my house when I called this person back then, and um, I just. Right before I called him, I just was praying, and I looked out at Barnes Butte, and the Lord said, you see that mountain right there? It was there yesterday. It was there 100 years ago. And guess what? It's going to be there tomorrow. No matter what happens in this little issue that you've got, this little conversation you're going to be having, that mountain is going to be there. It's going to be there tomorrow. It's going to be there a week. You know, It's not going to be moved by this. And I just want you to know, Rory, I'm not going to be moved by the, by this. So put your trust in me. And that was just such a word from the Lord. I called this person. The Lord like has worked in faithfulness. There's been many times like that over the years. And there's going to be many more. And just today, just as I'm looking out and just saw that mountain, and the Lord just said, remember, I'm not going to move. Just keep nestled in me, <laughs> you know. And then coming across this today, right after I'd been remembering that, turned out, by the way, that there was nothing wrong. Uh, today and uh, just you can see where some of my weaknesses are huh Uh, but here's our psalm by your favor you have made my mountain stand strong that's the Lord you guys he is our mountain he is not going to stand strong says he hid his face or you hid your face and I was troubled Um, one guy wrote when God disciplined David He hid his face, an expression that signified the removal of blessing and protection. And all throughout the scripture, we see that uh, even in the Deuteronomy 31, 17 says, then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day and I will forsake them. I will hide my face from them. They shall be devoured. These are people that um, 
walk in disobedience to the law. And many evils and troubles shall befall them. So they will say in that day, have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And so just that turning away of the face of the Lord because of sin, the removal of the presence of the Lord because of sin. And, you know, I was just really praying tonight before I came down here. I'd done all my Bible study and stuff, and I was getting worship together, and I just felt so strongly like, Rory, don't forget Jesus in this psalm tonight. Like, don't forget the Christ-centered word. And I was like, well, how, Lord? I was like, how? You know, sometimes it's just, you got to like dig a little bit. And he just reminded me that David had the Lord turn his face away from him because of his wrath against sin. And I was reminded of the true and better David, the great, great, great grandson of David, Jesus, the son of David, and how for a time there on the cross, the father turned his face away from Jesus because of his wrath and his indignation against sin that he poured out upon Jesus at the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's that song that we love to sing, how great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. So we have Jesus in the psalm. He's the one who really had the Father's face turned away from him. Uh, the favor of the Lord made the mountain of David stand strong, the mountain of Solomon, the mountain of Abraham, the mountain of um, Jesus. Mount Moriah stood strong there as uh, the Father turned his face away. Verses 8 and 9 together now. I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. I cried out for mercy and compassion is another way to phrase that. Verse 9, what profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Uh, so kind of an interesting plea and, and plea for mercy there is, hey, if I die, who's going to praise you? God, like, like, keep me alive so I can praise you. I'm reminded of, Many moons ago in Psalm 6, when we were in Psalm 6, verse 5, for in death there's no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? Like, if I die, who's going to praise you, Lord? So, verse 10, hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me, clothed me with gladness. And just like so many of the Psalms, David starts out in just a, pl a place where you just see just some despair and some just some real earnest need for the Lord. And towards the end, you have just the Lord faithfully coming through, turning mourning into dancing, taking our garments of, of mourning, which is sackcloth, and clothing me with gladness. Uh, let's look at Isaiah 61.3, one of our final verses here which is a messianic psalm. And uh, Jeremy, uh, you already got to read tonight. Tabitha, will you read uh, Isaiah 61.3? So wonderful. And you remember psalm, uh, Isaiah 64, very similar. Jesus reading it there in Nazareth. And he would say, today this passage is fulfilled in your hearing. All of this is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the one who comes in and uh, brings beauty for ashes 
oil of joy for mourning, garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And maybe you come here on a Wednesday night tonight and you just feel like your life is in ashes. You know, you feel like your life is in a place of mourning. There's just heaviness upon your life. You're in a good place tonight being here. Uh, We're going to spend time praying. We're going to spend time worshiping. And you can just come to Jesus tonight. The same one David came to. And you know when you're mourning or you know when you're heavy and the last thing you can even think of or even want to do would be like dancing, you know? Or you know when you're at a a wedding or something and you don't even want to dance and then like someone pulls you up and picks you up and all of a sudden you're out there, you know, (laughs) boogie woogie cutting a rug. You know, the Lord takes us from a place where like, no, I have no desire to dance. I have no desire to shout for joy. It's not even on my radar right now. And maybe the Lord would just take something that's not even on your radar and just have you remember the beauty of his holiness. Remember him for his goodness. Remember what he's doing and allow him by the spirit to take you and transpose you from darkness to light tonight. And all of this, all of this good stuff in verse 12 is to the end. I love phrases like that that just make it clear as to why would God do all of this. It's to the end that my glory may sing praise to you. All of the, you know, the chief end of man is for the glory of God. All the Lord, you know, setting our feet upon a rock and giving us his favor and giving us his mercy and turning our mourning into dancing and taking off our sackcloth and putting on a garment of gladness. All of this would be to the end that our glory or our soul would sing praise to the Lord and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So every deliverance a believer experiences, whether it's with our health or wellness or our mind, our body, our soul, it will prompt us to a full expression of praise.